وفيها بإذن ربهم من كل أمر سلام حتى ما طلع الفجر الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر بحول الله وقوته أقوم وأقعد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين أنعمت عليهم غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم قل هو الله أحد الله الصمد لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد كذلك الله ربي الله أكبر اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد أفزل ما صليت وباركت على إبراهيم وآل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد اللهم صل على محمد وآله في كل وقت وكل يوان ولا كل هان ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وكنا عذاب النار رب عملنا بفضلك ولا تعاملنا بعدلك يا وهاب يا جواد يا كريم اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر الحمد لله كما هو أهله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وتقبل شفعته وارفع درجته بحول الله وقوته أقوم وأقعد
الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد يا لطيف ارحم ابدك الزعيف يا ولي العافية أسألك العافية عافية الدين وزينة الآخرة يا كريم الله أكبر الحمد لله كما هو أحله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد السلام عليك أيها النبي ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام علينا وعلى عباد الله الصالحين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجه اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام وأتوب إليه 
أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام أتوب إليه اللهم صل على محمد وعلى محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم إني أسألك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والنجاة من النار ومن كل بنية والفوز بالجنة والرضوان في دار السلام وجوار نبيك محمد عليه وآله السلام اللهم ما بنا من نعمة فمنك لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك اللهم صل على محمد وآله الله أكبر الله أكبر أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله أشهد أن محمد رسول الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد أشهد أن محمد رسول الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد أشهد أن عليا ولي الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد أشهد أن عليا حجة الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل هيا للصلاة هيا للصلاة هيا للفلاح هيا للفلاح هيا على خير العمل هيا على خير العمل قد قامت الصلاة قد قامت الصلاة الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الرحمن الرحيم مالك يوم الدين إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين اهدنا الصراط المستقيم صراط الذين نعمت عليهم غير المغضوب غير المغضوب عليهم ولا الضالين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا أنزلناه في ليلة القدر وما أدرك ما ليلة القدر ليلة القدر خير من ألف شهر تنزل الملائكة والروح فيها بإذن ربهم من كل من سلام هي حتى ما طلع الفجر الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد سمع الله لمن حمده الله أكبر سبحان الله سبحان الله سبحان الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر استغفر الله ربي وأتوب إليه الله أكبر سبحان ربي الأعلى وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد الله أكبر بحول الله وقوته أكون وأفعد
Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Elhamdülillahi Rabbil alemin. Errahmanirrahim. Maliki yevmiddin. İyyâke na'budu ve iyyâke nesta'in. İhdinas sıratal müstakîm. Sıratal lezîne an'amte aleyhim. Gayril mağdubi aleyhim. Veladdallin. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Kul huvallahu ahad. Allahu samad. Lem yelid ve lem yulad. Ve lem yekul lehu kufuan ahad. Kezalike Allahu Rabbi. Allahu ekber. Allahümme salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed afzalima sallayta ve bârekte ala İbrahim ve âli İbrahim inneke hamidun mecid. Allahümme salli ala Muhammedin ve âlihi fi kulli vaktin ve kulli evanin ve ala kulli hân. Allahümme l'anavvela zâlimin zâlime hakka Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed ve âkhir tâbi'in lehu ala zâlik. اللهم لعن العصابة التي جاهدت الحسين وشايت وبايت وتابت على قتله اللهم لعنهم جميعا اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجهم وأهلك أعداءهم الله أكبر سبحان ربي العظيم وبحمد ربي صل على محمد وآل محمد Semiyallahu limen hamide. Allahu Ekber. Sübhanallah, sübhanallah, sübhanallah. Allahümme salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed. Allahu Ekber. Estağfirullah Rabbi ve etubu ileyh. Allahu Ekber. Sübhane Rabbi el-a'la ve bihamdi Rabbi salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed. Allahu Ekber. الحمد لله كما هو أهله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وتقبل شفاعته وارفع درجته بحول الله وقوته أقوم وأقعد Allahu Ekber. Sübhane Rabbiyel Azim ve bihamdi Rabbi salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed. Semiyallahu limen hamidin. Allahu Ekber. Sübhanallah, Sübhanallah, Sübhanallah. Allahümme salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed. Allahu Ekber. Estağfirullah Rabbi ve etubu ileyh. Allahu Ekber. Sübhane Rabbiye l-a'la ve bihamdi Rabbi salli ala Muhammedin ve âli Muhammed. Allahu Ekber. Bihavlillahi ve kuvvetihi akumu ve akumud.
Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah, subhan Rabbi al-Azim wa bihamdi Rabbi salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad. Sami Allahu liman hamida. Allahu Akbar. Subhanallah, subhanallah, subhanallah, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad. Allahu Akbar, astaghfirullah Rabbi wa atubu ilayh. Allahu Akbar. Subhana Rabbi al-a'la wa bihamdi Rabbi salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Muhammad. Ya khayr al-mas'uleen wa ya khayr al-mu'teen. Urzukni urzuk ayali min fadlik. Fa innaka zul fadlil azim. وأنت الجواد الكريم يا خير الرازقين الله أكبر الحمد لله كما هو أهله أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد السلام عليك أيها النبي ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام علينا وعلى عباد الله الصالحين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر لا إله إلا الله اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرجه اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام وأتوب إليه استغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام وأتوب إليه أستغفر الله الذي لا إله إلا هو الحي القيوم ذو الجلال والإكرام وأتوب إليه 
اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم إنه ليس لعلم بموضع رزقي وإنما أطلبه بخطرات تخطر على قلبي فأجل في طلبه البلدان فأنا فيما أنا طالب كالحيران لا أدري أفي سهل هو أم في جبل أم في أرض أم في سماء أم في بر أم في بحر وعلى يدي من ومن قبل من وقد علمت أن علمه عندك وأسبابه بيدك وأنت الذي تقسمه بلطفك وتصببه برحمتك اللهم فصل على محمد وعليه واجعل يا رب رزقك لي واسعا ومطلبه سهلا وما خزه كريبا ولا تعنني بطلب ما لم تكدر لي فيه رزقا فإنك غني عن عذابي وأنا فقير إلى رحمتك فصل على محمد وآله وجد على عبدك بفضلك إنك ذو فضل عظيم اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد وعجل فرج السلام عليك يا نبي الله السلام عليك يا حبيب الله السلام عليك يا رسول الله السلام عليك يا أمير المؤمنين سيد الوصيين إمام المتقين السلام عليك يا فاطمة الزهراء سيدة نساء العالمين السلام عليك يا خديجة الكبرى أم المؤمنين السلام عليك يا حسن المجتبى السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله وعلى الأرواح التي حلت بفنائك عليكم مني جميعا سلام الله عبدا ما بقيت وبكي الليل والنهار ولا جعله الله آخر الأهد مني لزيارتكم السلام على الحسين وعلى علي ابن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين وعلى صحاب الحسين السلام عليك يا شهداء كربلا جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا غريب الغرب السلام عليك يا معين الضعفاء والفقراء السلطان بن حسن مولانا علي بن موسى الرضا كن شفيعنا وشفي والدينا في يوم الجزاء السلام عليك وعلى أختك فاطمة المعصومة ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا مولانا يا صاحب الأسر والزمان السلام عليك يا خليفة الرحمن السلام عليك يا شريك القرآن الأمان الأمان الأمان من فتنة الزمان عجل الله تعالى فرجك وصحب الله مخرجك وظهورك وجعلنا من أنصارك وشيعتك ومحبك 
السلام عليك وعلى آبائك الطاهرين ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم صل على محمد Surah Al-Mubarakat Al-Fatiha Muhammad wa ala Muhammad Salawat खामोशियों से ही पूछो इन से ही पूछो खामोशियों से ही पूछो इन से ही पूछो बड़े जुल्म राहों में सहती रही है यतीमी के ताने ये सहती रही है नहीं मार जालिम तमाचे इसे 
ना कर इस का दुश्वार जीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीन सफर में ये रोई नज़िंदा में आकर उजाला किया है यहाँ दिल जलाकर पदर से जो बिछड़ी है आशूर को सुकून पा सकी फिर कभी ना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना मिला दस्त में जब के बाबा कलाशा लिपट के पिदर से किया खूब गिरिया वहां पहुंच जैनाब तो शैने कहा सुला दो इसे जाके बहना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना रसन दे गई है निशानी गले पर है पहचान जख्मी जो खाए थे पत्थर निशा है तमाचों के रुखसार पर मसाइब से जख्मी है सीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना कभी अपने बाबा के कातिल से डर कर कभी रोई जिंदा में तन्हाइयों पर कभी बोले जैनाब के अब घर चलो हुआ एक बरस एक महीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना हो मकतल के बाजार या कैद खाना सदा दे के बाबा से कहती थी दुखिया यतीमी मिली तो मिले ऐसे गम कहीं चैन से जी सकीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना कयामत की एक रात ऐसी भी आई कजाने सकीना को लोरी सुनाई कहा रो के सजाद ने भूपी 
के अब रोएगी फिर कभी ना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना बहुत रो चुकी है सकीना The short lecture I'm going to recite today is about the woman of the woman of the Karbala. The woman of the Karbala tragedy did play a role which was no less significant than of the male companions of the Imam. Imam, the Imam was right. His woman played a particular role, particularly in the Imam's sister, Hazrat Zainab salam. After the martyrdom of Hussein and his colleague, Imam Zainu Abidin and all women and children were arrested and taken to Damascus on coming back by Kufa. Bibi Zainab, a brave and bold woman, addressed Muslims everywhere along the way, exposing Yazid and his evil actions and un-Islamic acts salwat. Bibi Zainab and the Imam's entire family were kept in the prison in Damascus. When they were brought to Yazid's court, Zainab eloquently spoke in front of Yazid's courtiers and thoroughly exposed him. She never shielded from her mission, so much so that he had to release her and the entire Imam's entire family, Salwat. They were sent back to Medina with their security being insured. Sayyidah Zainab Salam's role was experimentary in shows how bold Muslim women were and how they played a key role in conciliating Islamic teachings today. Despite so much progress in the spread of education, so many Muslim women are oppressed. In Saudi Arabia, for example, even a woman's voice is considered aura so that it is, should not be heard in public. And here was Zainab from the Imam's family who became a public speaker to save Islamic values. Salwat. Zainab was the eldest among the women of the Imam's family including Imam Zainu Abidin, who was very unwell at that time. The leadership of the family thus fell onto Sayyidah Zainab, and she proved to be more than what was expected of her. Today, women have to learn much from her example and leadership qualities. Her public role in the Karbala Sega has much to teach her. Salwat.
رحم الله من قرأ الفاتحة بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا ان هدانا الله والصلاه والسلام على اشرف الانبياء والمرسلين شفيع ذنوبنا وطبيب نفوسنا وحبيب قلوبنا ابي القاسم محمد وآله الطيبين الطاهرين المعصومين المظلومين وأصحابه المنتجبين ولعنة الله الدائمة على أعدائهم أجمعين بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم رب الشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وأحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي أما بعد السلام عليكم جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم we stated that the whole process of Islam, God's centricity and liberation is geared towards bringing the individual to their completion and the community towards their completion. And that is what is called, uh, known as salvation within the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as falah or najat. And qiyamah marks the utmost stage of completion. Now, when we look into the workings of this most accurately and we examine the book of Allah, we find that the completion of the self can only occur when restrictions are removed. And that the completion that is within the self is actually from within the self itself. The potential is already there. It does not necessarily come from outside. It comes from within. Now, if it comes from within, then the question is not of receiving completion from outside necessarily, but of removal of obstacles and to allow the completion to show itself from within itself. We gave examples for this. That a seed, it needs proper physical conditions in order for it to sprout and to become a tree. From the Big Bang till now, the universe has been displaying itself in accordance with its own potential. It is elaborating. The only thing it needs to do is to remove its own obstacles that bar it from growth. 
Submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala or surrender to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that process of removal of, obst of obstacles and of self-imposed restrictions. There is no restriction but we ourselves. Surrender to Allah, the utmost, the principle of utmost completion is for us to yearn within ourselves whatever beauty Allah has to be manifested from within ourselves by us letting go of our own restrictions. So here are two different views, and both of them are accurate in their own, in, in, in, in their own context. One is that we adorn ourselves with good human characteristics, and the other one is that we actually free ourselves from bad characteristics. If we free ourselves from bad characteristics, which are obstacles, the goodness will reveal itself properly. One is the understanding that we need to gain knowledge in order to complete ourselves, which is accurate. But more fundamental than that is we need to remove the obstacle which is within the mind in order for us to be able to embrace the goodness that is out there. For it stands to reason, no matter what we receive from outside ourselves, if there are blockages within ourselves, then we will not interpret whatever we get from outside in an accurate way. So what we need to do is let go of that which is within ourselves. This is what we mean by wholesome surrender to the most noble, absolute, complete, unrestricted principle, which is Allah. And the process of liberation begins from within the self. You see, many people understand salvation, liberation, to be external to the human being. These are internal facets of a human being. A student will not become a qualified student by a pass mark if the student has not studied and actualized knowledge within themselves. If a student possesses the biggest library in this world that does not ensure success of that student until and unless that student absorbs the knowledge within those books, actualizes them, and the yardstick of success and failure is a student themselves. It is from within, not from outside. Even if a student were to be given a pass mark, they would not be qualified to perform the task for which they have been given the pass mark. Salvation, completion, comes from within. What bars it are the restrictions that are imposed by the self. The whole process of submission to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the individual, the community, through Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, removing their own restrictions. And through the removal of their own restrictions, what happens is that they begin to automatically complete by themselves. As Rumi says, he says, O man who learns through rot, for you to retain your knowledge, you would constantly need to read books. Why don't you do something else? Why don't you purify your inner self of its own restrictions? You will find, as opposed to inviting the springs of water to flow from outside into you, the real springs will gush forth from within you and flow outside from within you. This is the difference. There is a process, a real process, that needs to take place. In whatever, we, whatever we've been explaining for the last two days, we have been talking about letting go of our inner biases, our inner restrictions, through submission to Allah, who is the loftiest principle of completion. What needs to be stated is, that the whole story 
of Islam. Salvation requires the individual and the community to become self-critical and be able to let go of their own biases and of their own selves. They need to let go of their own restraints. This is something Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala terms in his book as shirk. When we talk about God-centricity, what we mean from the Quran is a full focus towards God. A full focus towards God in the sense that there is no association with God. Now, majority of the people understand association with God to be worshipping idols. This is not so. Worshipping an idol is not the point of shirk. That is an expression of shirk. The real shirk is something quite different that Allah says he cannot forgive. Allah does not say he cannot forgive shirk because he does not want to forgive shirk. He says he cannot forgive shirk because shirk is an unforgivable state. You see a student says, an instructor says to the student, I cannot pass a student who does not study and who does not actualize knowledge. It's not that the teacher does not want to give a pass mark. The student does not have the capacity of passing. Same is the question of shirk. Shirk is not something that God does not want to forgive. Shirk is something that cannot be forgiven. Shirk, in essence, is actually the individual, not the lat and the uzza and the bhagwans and the stones that we have. It's the individual. We can give association with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a number of ways. But these are all projecting the inner insecurity of the individual and a state of conceit and arrogance of the individual. When the individual is arrogant and conceited, they become barred from growth. What prevents me from listening to a contrary opinion? Either my insecurity, either my arrogance. In both cases, I am barring myself from new input. In both cases, I will not grow. As a Western philosopher has said so beautifully and accurately, why do you fear contrary opinions? Yes? He said, think about it this way. If somebody comes with a contrary opinion, and if you were to hear them out, if you find out that their opinion is wrong, it will be established for you that the position in which you stand and your opinion is most accurate. If you find that that opinion is more accurate than yours, then you have received your heritage, the truth. You've not lost anything. And if you find that that opinion is partially true, then you have added to the truth that you already have. Or you are able to cut away the falsities from the truth that you have. Why are you afraid? The reason you're afraid is either because you're insecure and you're barring yourself from growth, or that you're arrogant, in which case you're totally stagnant. The Prophet of Islam said, throw dust on the face of the one who praises you. Alhamdulillah, nobody praises me in this community. And then of course, we don't have any dust here either, salawat. This community is a point of evolution for me. The more you condemn a person, the more they evolve, don't they? The more you praise them, the more they become stagnated. So I know nobody condemns me here, but I'm just saying it. And if you laugh at that, then, you are, then you're hiding something, aren't you? The Prophet said, throw dust on the face of the one who praises you. Why does he say that? Because when somebody praises you, you become complacent about what you are.
As soon as you become complacent with what you are, that is a loss of humility. And therefore, barring from any opportunity to grow even further. That is why teachers deliberately do not overpraise their students. And parents do not go overboard in praising their children. So that the opportunity of growth cannot be lost. The reason why we don't accept the other is either because of arrogance or insecurity. Now, <coughs> it's amazing what we're going to say. The truth in its entirety is inside here. It is projected outside us. And this is totally inconsistent with the process of Islam. The truth of, of as how we understand. Ali ibn Abi Talib talks about Allah and Al-Uzza in Nahjul Balaga. He says, Lat and Uzza were not stones and sticks. These were statues that depicted corrupt, exploitive social orders and theologies that were constructed by people, then projected onto stones, and then worshipped. And those idols perpetuated those social exploitive orders that were chosen by people, and then they were worshipped and made into holy. In other words, Lat and Uzza are only stone. Lat is only stone, Uzza is only wood. They have nothing in them. The meaning in Lat and Uzza was a meaning given to them by the people who worshipped them. Lat and Uzza were not the gods of the people. The people were the gods of Lat and Uzza themselves. Do you not see this? They were not associating Lat and Uzza with Allah in truth. When you actually analyze it, and when we introspect ourselves, the true Mushrik was the one who worshipped Lat and Uzza because he was the other god, not Lat and Uzza. It's amazing. A person who is a Mushrik, he says, I am God to Allah. And Allah says, how can you evolve to me in surrender when you surrender to yourself? And even when you surrender to me, you're surrendering to yourself in my name. How interesting is this? Think about this. When we worship Allah today, actually most of us worship ourselves. Our insecurity are projected in the name Allah. And then we worship Him. This is what happens. I'll give an example that gave a few years ago at the tsunami. When the tsunami came, this time round, people pointed fingers at the existence of a merciful God, didn't they? If a merciful God exists, why did the tsunami occur? Why did He allow tsunami to occur? That's not something that I ponder on. I ponder on something else. If this tsunami were to have come a thousand years ago, what would the people have said? It was the show of the wrath of the mighty God, wouldn't they? And those who would have survived, they would have said, Oh Lord, thank you for keeping us alive. You saved us. And they would have increased in their devotion to God through fear. That tsunami would have been the greatest spectacle of the might of God a thousand years ago. The same tsunami a thousand years on becomes a point of questioning the very existence of God. What has happened? Everything has been inside here. We have worshipped God only in accordance with how we have set up God. Whether we call him Bhagwan, Lat and Uzzah or Allah, we are worshipping the God that we ourselves have made in, in its entirety. We are only worshipping ourselves. We are the greatest mushrik. If I don't get condemned for these statements, then I know I've got my salvation. Salawat.
But listen to these things very, very carefully, yes, in order to not to leave any loose ends. The Prophet said that if Abu Dhar were to know what is in the heart of Salman, of the worship of Allah, Abu Dhar would say, Salman is a kafir. Yes? The Prophet said, Abu Dhar is on the ninth level of Iman, Salman is on the tenth level of Iman, and if, Salman, if Abu Dhar were to know what God Salman worships, Abu Dhar would kill Salman. Yes? So this is what I'm saying. Shirk is not the stone and the rock. Shirk is me setting myself up as the other God. And this shirk has a lot of expressions. I want to explain this to uh, an extent. Just as people worship Latin Uzza, they were worshiping, I'm just going to repeat myself, they were worshiping themselves through Latin Uzza. Similarly, the Prophet has said, shirk is jali and khafi. Jali is apparent where people bow in front of stones and rocks. And khafi is when it is very hidden. He said, shirk will go unnoticed in the last of times as an ant goes unnoticed in the darkness of the night as it crawls upon a black rock. They said, what is this shirk, Ya Rasulullah? He said, that shirk is giving authority to other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So now I realize that this ring that I wear and without which I lose all my security is a point of shirk. Can you see that? If I can take this ring out and throw it away, which I won't because it's quite a nice ring, then it shows I'm truly a liberated soul. Because the God that has put any potency in this ring, He is here within the chest anyway. He is with you wherever you may be. He has never ever left me. So now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is insisting within the Quran that He can forgive anything He wants for anyone but not shirk. Because shirk is an unforgivable state. Islam therefore is this wholesome surrender to the utmost unlimited principle Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And it begins the process of liberation. So therefore this surrender has to be by the individual at the level of mind, body and soul totally. There is no restriction in the surrender. Until and unless this surrender comes at every level in the most wholesome way, Islam cannot work. Allah cannot begin to show himself within the human being or the human community. The individual himself is the point of shirk. Now let's take this forward a little. The whole idea. <coughs> I stated this at Hajj. 99% of the people end up proving the validity of the religion of their birth. What does that show? It shows that 99% of the people are not thinking. And the people prove to the extent that they can kill each other. The attitude of no finality can best be explained in the story that Rumi gives. And of course, I modify it to an extent. Rumi said that there was an object placed inside a dark room. People went inside to examine it. One said, it's a hose. The other one said, it's a hand fan. The third one said, it's a pillar. The fourth one said, it's a broom. Now, that's fine. Their individual judgments were fine. It's good. What happens subsequent to that is that the one who deems it to be a hand fan is ready to call the one who deems it to be a broom wrong. 
to the extent that they can kill each other. They are not ready to evolve and to share each other's knowledge, to see if there is anything beyond. What happens is that the one who feels it to be a pillar is so arrogant that it is a pillar that he becomes stuck in that thing being a pillar. He stagnates and he kills for it. He has ruined himself and ruins the other. All of these 99% are doing the same thing. Rumi says, what if they were all to bring a candle with them and stand together, they would get a better picture. Of course, they will say that the pillar is the leg, the hose is the nose, the hand fan is the ear, the broom is the tail, and it's an elephant. If all of them stood together, they would understand it's an elephant. What I say is, if we were to adhere to the principle of no finality, we would say, yes, it is a pillar, but there is no finality to it. A pillar in the context of the broom and the hand fan might turn out to be something totally different and yet be a pillar. This wholesome submission requires that the individual does not become arrogant and conceited at no level of their existence, whether emotional level, spiritual level, or intellectual level. Now look at the amazing thing of what is happening with all of us. You see, the person who worships Ram, why does he worship Ram? Or let's say he venerates Ram. Why does he venerate Ram? Because Ram is truthful. He is courageous. He is charitable. He is most wise. The person who venerates Buddha, why does he venerate the Buddha? Because Buddha is wise, courageous, knowledgeable, charitable. We are saying, hold on. The person who venerates Isa, why does he do though? Why does he do this? For the same qualities. The one who venerates Musa for the same qualities. The one who holds up the last prophet of Islam as the most magnificent example does the same thing for the same reasons. You will find that every heart enjoys the same truth intuitively. Every heart has the same truth. They have put say, different names to it and then they fight over different names. But they are unable to accept and go beyond the name and see the real truth for what it is. They themselves have restricted themselves. The truth is crying out from within them, but their arrogance and insecurity does not allow them to evolve. Tell me, does anybody respect Ram because Ram was a daku, a thief, a bandit, a chicken, a, a coward? Is that why anybody venerates Ram? They only venerate him for all the beautiful qualities that he has. This is exactly what is happening with all of us. So here in this process of Islam, and liberation, God is the utmost principle of completion. What needs to go is the individual who is devoted to God. Before the liberation can take place and before the process of evolution can start. If the person is able to say, look, this information that is coming to me, as opposed to rejecting it outright due to the person who is saying it, let me think about it. Do you know what happened when the Prophet went to the Meccans? They said, he's a madman. He's a poet. He's a liar. Now, what used to happen was that he would, the blessed prophet would stand at the door of the Kaaba and he would talk to the congregation and the people would gather around him, a small group, and a bigger group would be behind them. And in the bigger group, one would shout, he's a madman. He is a liar. He is a poet. What would happen would be 
that the other 10 would join in. And soon enough, 50 and 100 would start chanting it. This is mob mentality. Do you know what Quran says? It says this man is not mad. He's not soothsayer. Why don't you stand alone or in twos and then think about what he has said, the content of what he is saying? He is removing them from the mob mentality and saying to them, go and stand alone and go and see what he is saying. Does it make sense in itself? If it makes sense in itself, then contemplate it and accept it. This is what Islam, the process of Islam requires, that a person is able to let go, fully let go. I truly salute, as I always say, our Hindu forefathers. They were the greatest Muslims. The people who had a different religion, but who were yet ready to give a listening ear to Pir Shamsuddin of the Ismailis. Do you know this? Pir Shamsuddin of the Ismailis, who went and spoke with them, those Hindu forefathers of ours, well, majority of the congregation, they were the truest Muslims who submitted to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and who took on board knowledge for what it was worth. And they said, the truth is our heritage and we will follow it where and as and how we find it. And guess what? Me and you are a result of them. But what happens today? The same Allah that was in the name of Bhagwan we have made him another Bhagwan. Do you know this? Every time the human being evolves, then they constrict at an individual level and at a communal level. The same thing the Pharaoh used to do, today we do in the folds of Islam and in the name of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do you know this? It's the same old thing. You know, and I've given this example here before, that the Pharaoh took gold and silver with him inside his grave, didn't he? My mentality today is the pharaonic mentality within Islam. Today I will pray 100 rakat namaz because that sack of 100 rakat namaz will come with me. But after praying that 100 rakat namaz, I do not become a more truthful person, more sincere person, a less greedy person. What has that 100 rakat done to me? But I still feel the 100 rakat you will put inside with me in my grave. We think of God sitting on the throne with a book with black and white. You need this many namaz. It's a tick box exercise. Of course not. Allah says in the Quran, you are sufficient for your own judgment on this day because you are the speaking book. You have become whatever you have become and you are the final judgment unto yourself. And I don't need to judge you in accordance with books and evidences. You yourself have become what you have become. It's like saying to the student, I don't need to give you a pass mark. You can't perform the task. Or I, have to, I can say to the students, you might have failed on paper, but you can perform the task. You are qualified. The story is something like this. Today we worship Allah in the same way that the pagans worship Lat and Uzza. Do not be offended at my words, yes? I'm just trying to convey a point here. Khawli, the killer of Hussein ibn Ali, he was coming out of his house. His wife said, Khawli, what do you intend? He said, to go to Karbala. For what? Hussein has come in rebellion with the Khalif of the time. She said, Hussein is the grandson of the Prophet. He's the son, only son, of the daughter of the Prophet between the east and the west of the earth. How can you kill him? He's the most righteous. He's the Imam, as the Prophet had said. He is the Sayyid Shabab Ahlil Jannah, as the Prophet had said. You know what Khawli said? He said, whatever he may be, the Prophet has said, whoever comes in revolt against the Khalif, put them to death. It was the inner thing inside Khawli that he was projecting outside onto the Islam. 
Otherwise, you would immediately know that this doesn't make sense. This is exactly what is happening with all of us. Islam, God's centricity and liberation means a state of fluidity within us, in our submission to Allah. And we are being liberated at every point, as Allah says, at every point He claims His glory. We need to claim a new glory from within ourselves by arriving at a newer pedestal. The way Allah depicts this in the Quran is shirk. Allah says, shirk cannot be forgiven. Because me and you are shirk and point of shirk. We need to let ourselves go. But the way the Quran says it is something phenomenal. The Quran gives examples upon examples upon examples. And he talks about a variety of shirk. At one point he says, Allah, that they say that we do not worship these things save that they should take us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah says, how dare you say this? Did I authorize you to place these things as an intermediary between me and you? Allah says, how dare you do shirk? Allah terms that as shirk. Allah says to the individual in the Quran, Ud'uni astajib lakum. Call me. Inni qareeb. I am near. Allah removes any intermediary between him and the creature. He says it's directly you and it's directly me. Everything else is a form of distraction. Nothing else matters. The Meccans used to go into their houses from the back door. When they would, don the ahram. Allah said, there is no good in the practice of going into your houses from the back door. Go from the front door. There is no value in these things. All these things that you are doing in order to sanctify me, they are becoming shirk in themselves and they are becoming distractions in themselves. Chop it all away. This is what the Prophet did. He said, if you are truly God-centric, then break all idols. All idol means remove all intermediaries between you and your God. Find me one verse of Quran that gives any importance to anyone but Allah and the individual. Do you know when it comes to the story of salvation? Read the Quran. Allah does not make belief in any of the Prophet as a central tenet for salvation. He says, believe in Allah, the hereafter, and become righteous and perform righteous deeds and you will get your salvation. Where has he placed any prophet in the story of salvation? He says, salvation is not proclaiming names of Isa and Musa. Salvation is you becoming like, you becoming godly and fulfilling your potential. That is salvation. Salvation is a seed becoming a tree. That is all, nothing else. Allah says to the angels on the day of Qiyamah, did these people worship you? And the angels would say, Subhanak, glory be to you, O Allah. They worship the jinn. Allah says to the prophets, Yawma yajma'ullah rusul. The day in which the prophet, Allah will summon all the prophets and say to the prophet, do you know what happened on the earth after you left? They will say, we don't know anything. Allah says to Isa, Isa, did you tell them, worship me and my mother other than Allah? Isa will say, what right do I have to say something that is not accurate? Oh Lord, I have no knowledge of what they did after I left. Isa is supposed to be alive, isn't he? He is saying this in Quran. I have no knowledge of what they did. You know best. If you punish them, you are adil. If you forgive them, no, if you punish them, they are your creatures. If you forgive them, you are most forgiving. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran says, nothing comes between Allah and the creature. 
And he is constantly challenging the mind that look, everything that you're stipulating against other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a form of distraction. This form of distraction has to be removed. In the story of the human success, both intellectual and individual spiritual, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala asks for the removal of everything that is between the individual and between God. The Quran is quite adamant about this. It does not allow for any practice that can come between Allah and the individual. You see, we see that the salient principle of every religion has been this God-centricity and process of growth and evolution. The Sharias have only been there to inform us of how this surrender is supposed to be. But that's about it. This, the essence has been the individual and God. God's centricity, the individual is a principle of lack. God is a principle of completion. Surrender to God is an invitation to remove all these lacks one by one by one. So now here I ask, in the religious faiths we are taught not to question. Yes? But if a person were not to question, how would they arrive at the truth in the first place? You see, there are two types of things that we can ask. We can say, if I know this is from Allah, I believe this is from Allah. There's no question of it. But can I not ask, what does Allah mean here? Isn't that my God-given right? Doesn't Allah want me to ask, well, what do you mean by this? In fact, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has put this curiosity within me to ask, to yearn the truth. My basic point here is that going away from this, state of liberating ourselves indicates a state of shirk whether as formalistic mushrik or whether as formalistic muslim they are equally in a state of shirk all of them a person who is unable to grow is a person who has imposed self-limitations upon themselves and they are their own damnation whether it's a person or a community i ask you a question the Muslims are supposed to be the greatest people, aren't they? They are supposed to be the most righteous, aren't they? They are supposed to be the favored of God, aren't they? All of this is true, yes? Then why has no Muslim gone to moon until now? Yes? Why didn't the Muslim split the atom? Why didn't the Muslim discover gravity? Why didn't the Muslim find cure for cancer? Why are the Muslims so useless? Almost 2 billion people, Muslims, they are cursing the West. Can you truly curse capitalism when it is providing such a beautiful welfare system? Can we truly curse the social system that is in this country when it allows a Muslim to criticize the policies of its government in full amnesty? Can you do that in any Muslim country? Today, if you want to become the Prime Minister here, you can do so. Is it really that bad? Today, when the tsunami strikes the Muslim lands, the non-Muslims are the most charitable. Can you really condemn them? I will say this, that the biggest state of damnation and condemnation is upon the Muslims imposed by themselves, and then they have projected them this as something sacred and holy in the name of Allah. This Allah that we are worshipping is by and large a construct of our own imagination. You see, at one point, I always used to give this example. 
that when first civil aviation started, we used to read three ayatul kursis and tasbihs. Yes, we won't even eat because of the fear. Now we've become so com- now we've become so confident within the planes and aviation sort of systems that we watch Bollywood movies. At one point, we wouldn't move. Astaghfirullah, ya Allah, ya Allah, and mannats and tasbihs and everything. And now, sit back with nice earphones and we shout at the hostesses for not serving us properly. Whereas before, even if they would forget, no, it's okay, fine. And you know how our mentalities were. And now, bring my drink for me or whatever else you, you like to have on, on, on planes. This is what is happening. We are worshipping a God which is imagined by us ourselves. We have created this God. It's nothing but that pagan mentality in our heads that is projected on the name of Allah. Islam, God-centricity, liberation asks for introspection, removal of these barriers. Whether these barriers are within the self as the arrogance of the self or are through the community, the insecurity created by the community. You see, if the majority were right, yes, then this example would be right, the one that I'm going to give you right now. There was a man on a stretcher being carried to his grave, yes? And there were about 400 people in the congregation funeral procession carrying him. And there was a person from another town that was looking at this funeral procession. They're all reciting, La ilaha illallah, La ilaha illallah. And this man goes close to them. And he sees that the person inside the coffin of the stretcher is tied down and he's screaming, I'm alive, I'm alive. I'm not dead, don't bury me. So this man says that, look, he's alive. Can't you listen? He's saying he's alive. Don't bury him. So the man who responds to him says, should I believe the 400 who are saying he's dead? Or should I believe one who is saying he's alive? Majority is not necessarily true. Truth stands by itself. Truth proves its own self. So Islam and God-centricity and human liberation asks for the inner idol to be removed. That inner idol is our insecurity or arrogance. If I'm arrogant, then I'm preferring something beyond Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If I say this is the truth, that Imam Hussein only had 72 people and I'm not ready to believe anything, then I've created my own God in there. And I've projected this God onto the name Allah, and I am the biggest mushrik. Yes? If, on the other hand, I am frightened into submitting to something that does not make sense, because the majority is saying that that is insecurity. Yes? This is exactly the state of the Meccans. Now, if you find this talk very, very strange, then believe me, the Jews found it very strange when Isa went to them. They said, how can he challenge the status quo that has been placed by Musa? Can you see that? And that has been built by Musa. That is how strange they found it. If I find anything strange that somebody is giving me as a Muslim, then I am like the Jewish community who found Isa strange. Truth stands upon its own self. Now, when you look at Islam within the Quran, how has God termed Islam? You will find a very different story. 
Islam of God in the Quran is not namaz and fasting and hajj, you know that, right? Islam of God within the Quran is Ibrahim, Ishaq, the children of Yaqub, Ismail, Isa, Hawariyin, Musa. They are all Muslims. They don't have the rituals that we have, yet they are all Muslims. The prophets say to their children, don't die, save in the state of Islam. Ibrahim says, O Lord, make me into a Muslim. What is a Muslim? Muslim is not one who prays and fasts and does hajj. These are the expressions of surrender to Allah. But Islam in essence is what? Islam in essence is to prefer Allah over the self. Islam is God's centricity, focus to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the process of inner liberation and outer liberation. That is Islam in essence. Everything else is a trimming of Islam. Namaz, fasting, hajj are expressions of Islam. Wahab did not bow to Allah, did not perform hajj, and yet he is the loftiest of those who have attained salvation. Wahab, the one who was martyred with Hussein ibn Ali, he is one of those who, have, who has attained the loftiest status of salvation in the state of Islam, the essence of Islam. He has never prayed behind Hussein ibn Ali. Hur, who was in the enemy camp, has only prayed one salah behind Hussein, and that too not acknowledging him as the Imam when he met, met Imam at Bayda. He comes and joins rank in the morning of Ashura, has not prayed a single prayer behind this man as the Imam attains the loftiest rank. Because he is in the truth, he is upon the essence of Islam, not a formal Islam. The formal Islam is an expression of surrender. The real surrender, the real state of Islam is that inner giving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the outer giving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in its entirety. Oh Lord, I am open to the truth as and how it may come. I am not stifled by my own arrogance. I am not perturbed by my insecurities and my fear. If the truth comes from a mouth of a non-Muslim, then that is Islam. And I will accept it and evolve through it. What do you find in the stories of the prophets? That the prophet, by and large, apart from the last prophet, the prophets, by and large, left the majority of the community. Do you not see this? Nabi Lut, Nabi Ibrahim, all these prophets, they came out of their communities, the majority were left. There was a very few people who arrived at the truth. And as a result, they distance themselves from the majority. Apart from the last prophet who distanced himself from the majority and then the majority flocked to him. And that's why he was the most successful of all men on the face of this earth. This is what Ali ibn Abi Talib says. He says, do not feel afraid for the scarcity of the followers of truth. The nature of truth is such. Now I'm going to challenge a hadith here before we move into the Masaib. The hadith, and I believe I might have raised this in other places. The hadith states that 72 sects will become of the Muslims. Yes? 71 of them are in hell. Yes? Now, tell me, does that hadith make sense? Because the Prophet was asked, what would you do for us on the day of Qiyamah? Do you know what the Prophet said? He said, Allah told me that I will allow you 
to give forgiveness to half of your ummah. And I'm saying here, if that is the case, then the Prophet should have taken it because 71 of them are going to hell anyway. It will be less than 50% who constitute one sect, right? So the Sahaba started crying. They said, Ya Rasulullah, what did you do? He said, I didn't accept it from God. They said, why? He said, because I want to take all of my ummah into paradise. So they said, then, he said, then God gave me another option that I individually intercede for every one of you and I accepted that instead. How can the man who says this can say that 71 sects of his ummah are going to hell? And then in the one sect that remains, they call each other misled and misguided and apostates. Before the end of it, the only one person going to paradise is me. And nobody else. And you can imagine what a hellish place it becomes. No one to talk with. No one to give mudlises to. I like the sound of my own voice. How can such hadiths be taken seriously? Now, if the Prophet has said this, then what he meant was one sect means a group of people from scattered within every sect. But I'm saying this hadith is not true because Allah in the Quran he says, in Latina Amanu, Walladina Hadu, Wan Nasara was Sabiin. Indeed, those who believe and the Jews, and the Christians, and the Sabians, whoever amongst them believes in Allah, and in the last day, and does righteous deeds, they will have their reward and no fear will befall them. The Prophet's Allah is giving paradise to the Jews and the Christians, and the Prophet is driving 71 sects of his own ummah into hell. Any thinking mind would say, look, I can't allow such hadiths to instill this arrogance, this bias inside my heart. Today, the thing that plagues mine and your mind is these hadiths. That everybody is going to hell. Whatever they say is wrong. This is totally inconsistent with the state of Islam, God's centricity and liberation. Because God's centricity and liberation dictates that we think, we submit to God, read the words of God. I'm just going to repeat one point here before I finish. Allah does not tolerate any form of shirk. The principle of shirk is in there, arrogance and insecurity. But outside, setting up any intermediary between Allah and the creature in the Quran is known as shirk. Look at this Hussein. How beautifully he explicates the meaning of Tawheed. How wonderfully he understands Allah. In his Dua Arafah, a year prior to his martyrdom, he states, O oh Allah, when were you hidden that I needed to see you? Blind are the eyes that do not observe you. O oh Allah, when were you far that I needed to gain proximity to thee? You are always near. It was I who has remained at a distance from you. O oh Lord, what has he found the one who has lost you? And what has he lost the one who has found you? O oh Lord, should I look at the stars, the sun and the moon to guide me to you when I see you standing before it, above it and below it? Should your handiwork be more manifest than you yourself who stand and create what you create? This is how proximate Hussein had become to Allah, removing every obstacle between him and his God. Zainab says, 
that at the peak of his calamities, when he trembled and lost his composure, when his came when he came to his knees, at that point, he took out a moment for himself. And he says, before I meet my final destiny, I will spend a moment with my God. She narrates, removing his helmet, he stands upon a hill, raising his hands into the heaven, tears filling his eyes, eulogizing Allah, secretly invoking Allah and saying, O Lord, I have abandoned the creation in the passion of meeting with you. O Lord, I have chosen my children to suffer at the hands of enemies and becoming orphans, O Lord, so that I may meet with you. O Lord, if the swords were to cut me into thousands of pieces, even then this heart will not yearn anyone but you. The height of completion through tending to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Hussein leaves Makkah. He is en route to Kufa. People traveling from Kufa towards Makkah meet with Hussein. He asks them about the states of Kufa. They say to him, their hearts are with you, as are their tongues, but their swords are against you, O Hussein. Hussein goes on. He meets somebody else. He asks him, what news do you bring of my brother Muslim? He says, your brother stood on the roof of Darul Amara. He looked towards Medina. <coughs> he saluted you and said, Oh, Aba Abdullah, do not come to Kufa. And as he supplicated, his head was removed from his body. His head descended to the ground and his body was soon to follow. Hussein stood, faced Kufa and said, Wa salam, ya Muslim. Then he said, we will camp here. As he made his base there, he called the children of Muslim and paid them condolence. As they began to cry, there was commotion. As Hussein called the young daughters of Muslim, he brought them and he said to the children, sit on my lap. Muslim's daughter sat on the lap of Hussein. And as he caressed her head, she said, Oh, uncle, has my father been killed? You stroke my hair as you stroke the hair of a yatim. Hussein said, If your father is no longer, then I am your father. My children are your brothers. Sakina heard the word yatim. He heard the women saying, The daughters of Muslims have become orphaned. She did not know the meaning of Yatim. She does not know why Hussein so tenderly caresses their heads. At his final farewell, when Hussein spurs Zuljana, Zuljana refuses to move. There is a soft voice, O oh Father, I have a request. He descends. He says, Yes, Sakina. She says, O oh Father, sit next to me. When he sits, 
She says, oh, father, carry me into your lap. He says, oh, Sakina, what may I do for you? She says, oh, father, caress my head as you would caress the head of an orphan. This is when Sakina understands the meaning of Yatim. Hussein continues on his route. He is met by Hur, who inter intercepts him. He is rerouted. Imam Hussein says that in that case, let me go to a place with green pasture where the Euphrate flows. Hur says to Hussein, I shall accompany you. Hussein is moving. His steed stops. When Hussein Zuljana stops and refuses to move, according to Riwaya, Hussein asks for another steed, and then another, and then another. After three horses refuse to move, Hussein asks somebody, what is the name of this place? Somebody says it is Shat al-Furat. He asks, is there another name? They say, yes, it is Neynawa. He says, is there another name? They said, yes, it is Karb Wabala. A'udhu Billah, Hussein said, I seek refuge from Allah, from grief and anxiety. Then he dismounts. He takes his spear, embeds it within the ground, and he says, Wallahi, ha-huna mina khurikabina. By Allah, this is a place where our animals shall stop, where our camp shall be pitched. This is the place where I shall be killed and I shall be buried and resurrected on the day of Qiyamah. This is the place where my daughters and my children will scatter within the jungles of Karbala. As he is saying this, Fizza comes running to Hussein. She says, your sister calls you, Hussein. Hussein rushes to Mikulthum. She says, oh, Hussein, what place is this? It fills my heart with fear. He says, oh, Kulthum, this is the place that is destined for me. She says, how so, O oh, son of my mother? He says, when, on return from Naharawan, we were here at this point, my father fell asleep in the lap of Hassan. He awoke abruptly, and he said, inna lillahu inna ilayhi raja'oon. Me and Hassan said to him, O oh, father, indeed we return to Allah, but what brings the kalimatul istirja upon your lips at this point? He said, I slept and I saw a pool of blood. And I saw bodies upon bodies. And I saw you, O Hussein, drowning. And there was no one to help you. He asked me, O Hussein, what shall you do when you come to such a point? I said to him, O Father, I shall persevere for the sake of Allah. He said, in that case, you will be with me in paradise, O Hussein. Imam Hussein sets up camp. He asks who the point, who this land belongs to. It was told it belongs to the Kabila of Bani Asad. He summons their chief and he buys the land of Karbala so that no one can say that Hussein went for a war but that Hussein died defending his dignity. He said to them, I give this land back to you but with a condition that when I die and I'm killed, if my body and the bodies of my sons and family and companions are left exposed, that you shall bury them. 
And when anybody comes to visit me, you shall show them our burial place. They accept. Imam Hussein summons the women of the Kabila of Bani Asad. And he says, O oh, women, you know full well that I am the son of the daughter of Muhammad Rasulullah. If your man, for fear of the enemy, fail to bury me, then when you come to fetch water from Al-Qama, throw dust upon me and give me a burial. Then he summons the children of the Qabila and he says, O oh, children, if your parents through fear do not come, then come here to play and throw dust upon our bodies. Ashura commences. And look at the love of the beautiful companions of Hussein. Muslim ibn Ausaja falls. Habib ibn Mazahi runs with Hussein. Hussein carries the head of Muslim. Habib asks him, O oh Muslim, even though I am short, shortly to come to you, is there anything I can do for you? Muslim raises his hand and barely able to speak, he points at Hussein and says to Habib, Ya Habib, alayka bihada shakhs ma dumtahiyya. O Habib, be mindful of Hussein for as long as you're alive. Matam Hussein. Habib, tum par salam-e Hussain. Habib, tum par salam-e Hussain. Chale aao karbo bala. Akela hua hai Hussain. Habib, tum par salam-e Hussain. Habib, ay mere dost, ay mere aankhon ki chain. Habib, tum par salam-e Hussain Jab mein Madinah se nikla tha mein Mohabbat ke se wo ghar chhoor kar Mein sehta raha sakhtiya Habib, Rasool-e-Khuda ka shahar chhoor kar Chale aao karbo bala Akela hua hai Hussain Habib, tum par salam-e Hussain मेरे हबीब ऐ मेरे दोस्त 
صلوات الله محمد وآل محمد اللهم صل على محمد وآل محمد بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم brothers and sisters السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته can we please recite Dua Shifa for Gulshan Gofa, who is in St. George's Hospital, and for all those that are unwell tonight? Dua Shifa, please. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Amma yujibul mudhtarra izadaa hu yakshifusu. Amma yujibul mudhtarra izadaa hu yakshifusu. Amma yujibul mudhtarra izadaa hu yakshifusu. Amma yujibul mudhtarra izadaa hu yakshifusu. Amma yujibul mudhtarra izadaa hu yakshifusu. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala Muhammad. Brothers and sisters, could you please recite Surah Fatah for all the marhumins whose names will be appearing on the screens and for all their deceased family members. Surah Al-Baraqat Al-Fatiha. Brothers and sisters, just a few other announcements. On Saturday, the 17th of October, Ladies Only Majlis program shall start at 10.30 a.m. with Marisha, followed by Majlis, Martam, ending with Namaz. After, there will be a session on spirituality at home by Tahra Bai Kasimali. In the evening, inshallah, we shall commemorate the fourth night of Muharram. The program shall start at 7.30 p.m. with Namaz, followed by Marisha and poetry, Majlis, Martam, and ending with Q&A with Sheikh Arif. There will also be a parallel children's majlis in the Zamana Hall. On Sunday, the 18th of October, it will be the Bar Masik Majlis for Marhum Muhammad Jafar Ali Jado Jidanji. The program shall start at 6.16 p.m. with Namaz, followed by Niyaz, Marasha, Majlis, ending with Martam. Also, brothers and sisters, we've had a few complaints about members parking outside driver entrances. Please ensure you do not block the neighbor's driveways when coming to the center, and also please do park appropriately. Thank you for listening. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa also, lastly, um, there will be a Q&A session after the program, inshallah. Ahsans. Assalamu alayka ya Rasulallah. Assalamu alayka ya Nabiyallah. Assalamu alayka ya Habiballah. Assalamu alayka ya Amir al-Mu'mineen. Wa Sayyid al-Wasin, Imam al-Muttaqeen. Assalamu alayki ya Fatimata, Sayyidati Nisa'il Alameen. Assalamu alayki ya Khadijata al-Kubra. Assalamu alayka ya Hassan al-Mujtaba. السلام عليك يا أبا عبد الله وعلى الأرواح التي حلت بفنائك عليكم مني جميعا سلام الله أبدا ما بقيت وبقي الليل والنهار ولا جعله الله آخر الأهد مني لزيارتكم السلام على الحسين وعلى علي بن الحسين وعلى أولاد الحسين 
وعلى أصحاب الحسين خصوصا سيدي ومولاي أبا الفضل العباس ابن أمير المؤمنين وأختك زينب وأم كلثوم وبنتك سكينة السلام عليكم يا شهداء كربلاء جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا غريب الغرباء ومعين الضعفاء والفقراء السلطان أبا الحسن مولانا علي بن موسى الرضا كن شفيعنا وشفيع والدينا في يوم الجزاء السلام عليك يا أختك فاطمة المعسومة ورحمة الله وبركاته السلام عليك يا مولانا يا صاحب العصر والزمان سيدي الأمان الأمان الأمان من فتنة الزمان السلام عليك يا شريك القرآن السلام عليك يا كعبة الإيمان السلام عليك يا إمامنا وإمام الإنس والجان عجل الله تعالى فرجه وسهل الله تعالى مخرجه وظهور العمر السلام عليكم يا أهل بيت النبوة جميعا ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم كن لوليك الحجة ابن الحسن صلواتك عليه وعلى آبائه في هذه الساعة وفي كل ساعة وليا وحافظا وقائدا وناصرا ودليلا وعينا حتى تسكنه أرضك طوعا وتمتعه فيها طويلا برحمتك يا ارحم الراحمين ان الله وملائكته يصلون على النبي يا ايها الذين امنوا صلوا عليه وسلموا تسليما